0: to your trail camera and everything in between if you have a piece of hunting gear or a piece of hunting equipment that needs a battery interstate batteries has got you covered you can go to a local retail store or you can go visit online at interstatebatteries.com they have thousands of local retail shops all over the u.s so you can go there as well interstate batteries outrageously dependable
1: Hello everybody and welcome again to the Coffee and Deer Show. Glad you joined us today and uh, today my guest is going to be Josh Wilson, the Executive Director for Farmers and Hunters Feeding the Hungry and before we start talking to Josh, I want to remind you that if you're not already a member of the National Deer Alliance, please do that. It's free to join. Go to nationaldeeralliance.com and click the nice big big, uh, green join button there. You can't miss it and join us. And uh, you'll also get our free NDA On Watch newsletter, which comes out every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. And in our most recent issue, this happens to be very timely because we polled our members about how they get their venison processed and what types of cuts and things they get out of the venison. Because, uh, Josh, as you know, we're starting to see some deer uh, being shot around the country now. So people are filling freezers and hopefully filling bellies here. Uh, So we surveyed our our members on that in this issue of our newsletter. Uh, But our newsletter, folks, a lot of people describe it as kind of the USA Today of deer news. We cover all the deer news from across the country. As as you know, uh, we poll our members as well. It's where we include our coffee and deer links, and it's free to you if you join. So uh, please join the National Deer Alliance if you haven't already. And with that, Josh, let's go ahead and jump into it. I appreciate you being on the show this morning, and this is a topic that um, that I think first and foremost, I'd like people to know more about, more about your organization, more about why it's important to donate venison. And you're the ideal guest for this. You guys have been doing some great work over the years, and um, I'll let you tell us about farmers and hunters feeding the hungry. And if you don't mind, just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on today, Nick. It's uh, a pleasure to talk with you and to be able to share uh, the good work that hunters have been doing and will continue to do to feed their hungry neighbors uh, with all those that are watching. Um, I uh, actually went to school and thought I was going to be a teacher. And uh, so I spent a year doing that. This is over 20 years now, uh, but then decided that my real calling was youth ministry. And so I spent a few years doing that. uh, But then about that same time back in 1997, a few years into that for me, uh, my dad was getting this organization started, this Hunger Relief Ministry, uh, and he modeled it after a program in Virginia uh, called Virginia Hunters for the Hungry that's been operating a few years longer now, a uh, very successful longstanding program. Uh, but basically his desire was to give hunters the opportunity to uh, feed their hungry neighbors. Uh, he encountered a lady along the roadside loading a roadkill deer into her trunk Uh, She asked him to help and said she needed to take the meat home to to feed her hungry children. And so after that encounter, uh, he talked with uh, the folks that he was hunting with at the time down in uh, Virginia, south of us, and they were familiar with this program, Virginia Hunters for the Hungry. And so they began participating. Uh, I started hunting on the property a few years after that, and I can remember taking deer to the local butcher shop uh, sometimes, uh, you know, last last light, getting that deer out of the field and trying to get it to the shop while they were still open so we could donate it. Uh, uh-huh. So basically, he took that idea, brought it here to Maryland. Uh, I joined him as it began to grow. They were looking for someone to to work in the office part time uh, to, to work with him. And so I joined him in that. That was, uh, I'd say, about 15 years ago now. And uh, so here we are 22 years later. Uh he's still, still around, part of our board, but has retired. And uh, so I'm the director for the organization. And um, yeah, it's just exciting to be part of this effort and to have uh, been at it for so many years now. Uh, but at the same time, we recognize we're not the only program that uh, Farmers and Hunters Feeding the Hungry, uh, we have a number of states we work in. But in that same 22 years, there are some other organizations that have come up uh, some doing some good work in their states. And so in that regard, it's exciting to be part of a growing effort of, of similar organizations doing this work and uh, helping hunters to feed people in their communities.
1: Yeah, you're a trendsetter. Uh, there are a number of different organizations <laughs> that do this. Um, but uh, So you're based in Maryland, but you did mention, this was something I wanted to ask you about, you cover many states. Uh, how, many, how many states uh, are you participating in now?
2: Uh, We have, our primary states for us would be Maryland, Ohio, and some parts of Indiana. And then we have, I'm just going to say round numbers, about 17 other states Mm -hmm. where we have anywhere from uh, one volunteer coordinator working in maybe one or two counties uh, to maybe five uh, coordinators covering different parts of the state. Yeah.
1: And you guys do a great job of putting out information on what your program is doing, um, and recently, what, what got in my mind to say, Hey, I got to get in touch with Josh and get him on the show is your recent uh, newsletter that came out where you talked about your 2018 and uh, 19 numbers. Uh, so far 3,850 donations, 178,668 pounds of venison, and mm-hmm. 714,672 servings, right? Um, Wow, I mean that—that's impressive, and you've—you've had you've served twenty million. There have been twenty million servings since you started back in nineteen ninety-seven, and and you said you're not even all over the country yet. So you're making one heck of an impact.
2: Yeah, the the those numbers, you know, even for for me to sit and look at them, uh, it is it is quite a, a great and large growing total. Um, Yeah, I was just looking at that yesterday, talking with someone that was putting some uh, information together uh, for their publication, and they were asking about this coming year. And uh, I said, well, we're, uh, I'd say, looking at a similar year to last year, we would have a goal of maybe 750,000 more servings, and that would put us to a grand total of somewhere right around 21 million servings uh, in the 22 years uh, that we've been operating so yeah you know it just continues to to go we still get uh contact from people i have a couple of calls to make uh just this week from people that would like to volunteer to uh, start a chapter in their communities and um and yeah the other programs are doing well too so there's really uh only a couple of states i'd have to pull my list up and we do have that uh, on our website uh, which i can uh, give you the information for too. But there's only a couple of states that don't have any type of a venison donation program that we're aware of. Uh, I did a search, uh, it was probably six months to a year ago, so that we could add that as a resource onto our website. Uh, I did a search to find other programs that we could link to. So if we're not operating in a a given state or a part of a state where someone just wants to donate a deer, uh, that they could find that information through our site. Uh, and really, there's only a few states where there's um, nothing that we're able to uh, see anyway from searching online. Uh, so it would be nice to see every state, but uh, eventually maybe we'll get there or, or other organizations will pop up. Um, but, yeah, that information's on our site. We're FHFH.org, and we have a whole page on our site that lists our chapters and butchers. Uh, most of the links to that will give you something like or say something like, volunteer or donate a deer out on the homepage, uh, but it's a, a page that gives our chapters, the participating butchers, and then towards the bottom of the page, uh, there's a link to a listing of other organizations that do the same kind of work.
1: Yeah, that's, that's extremely helpful, and at the end of the show, we'll come back to that and have you uh, give that again so that people can find it. And, you know, as you're as you're talking there, I'm thinking about the, the formal programs that are out there. And, I, and I've donated several deer through your program uh, when I lived in Ohio. And it's been a great program for me as a hunter because, uh, number one, I, I try. I, I love to hunt first and foremost. And I try to fill as many tags as I can get. But I can only eat personally so many. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I recognize the need that's out there. So there's what I donate directly through the program. But then there's this whole other uh, group that's really hard to capture. We've surveyed our members on this in the past, but that is the person that just knows a neighbor or has a friend. Or I've I've also worked with processors that they had a list of local people who wanted a deer. So just imagine, I mean, maybe you have a number, but imagine the number of meals that are being donated because of, of deer hunters giving back.
2: Yeah, I'm, the number would be staggering, and uh, as you mentioned, it's 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 probably hard to really get a handle on what that number could be. I know some different groups uh, have been working on that kind of a uh, a survey and that type of research, and, and I think some of that's ongoing. It'd be interesting to see what they come up with. Uh, but yeah, I have we've um, actually uh, encountered that type of a situation. I know. In, uh, in our own state here in Maryland, in the western part of the state, the more uh, rural counties, uh, we have a couple butchers that participate, but the numbers of deer that are donated are usually pretty small. Mm. And I remember talking to one of those processors one time and asking uh, if there's anything we could do to increase those numbers, other than allocating more funds, which at the time we were able to do to, to pay the bills for having the deer processed. Uh, And basically, the answer from the butcher and from our volunteer uh, was something along the lines of, well, uh, the people here already know who their needy neighbors are. And in most cases, they're just sharing meat with them directly. And so even though the program is helpful, uh, it's already been happening here in terms of hunters helping to feed others and will continue to happen uh, even outside of a formal program.
1: Yeah, and and speaking of Maryland, it's funny you bring that up because I hunt uh with a friend in Delaware, right, right on the border of Maryland. And he literally has a list of, you know, I I'd sat there with him in his truck last year. I shot a deer and we were gonna donate it. And he has a list of 15 people that he starts calling down the list and saying, Hey, do you want a deer? So probably uh, some of your deer are definitely going that way. So um, but take me through. So okay, I'm I'm out. Um for for people watching or listening to this. Um, I'm out, I shoot a deer. Take me through the process. How do I donate through your program?
2: Sure, yeah, if you're in an area where we have a participating butcher or, or one of the other programs, whether it's Virginia, Pennsylvania, New York, uh, uh, and others, Basically, you would uh, first want to identify whether that program exists, whether there's a participating butcher nearby that you can get the deer to. And assuming that's the case, then uh, yeah, you just harvest the deer as you normally would, uh, tag it, check it in, whatever the, the process is in the particular state, field dress it, and then deliver it to that participating butcher shop. Uh, there typically will be some type of a log sheet to complete, whether it's our program uh, or some of the other programs, to verify that you donated that deer and gave possession of it over to the organization. And then at that point, if it's our program, if it's Farmers and Hunters Feeding the Hungry, that should be it as far as the hunter's participation uh, to donate the deer. And from that point, the processor would do do their work, cut, wrap, and freeze the meat. Uh, Some locations it's ground entirely, Uh, other locations do various cuts it kind of depends on the food bank or the ministry that's going to use the meat and how they distribute it Uh, food pantries uh, oftentimes will take variety of cuts because they can distribute those to the families to prepare at home Uh, a soup kitchen may want it all ground so they can do taco meat spaghetti meat stew and so forth Um, so the processor will prepare the meat they'll contact that food agency, that feeding program, to pick it up. And then at that point, uh, whether it's, uh, say, five deer or 10 deer that have been donated, something in that ballpark, they will prepare an invoice and send it to our organization. So there's no charge for the hunters to donate when they work with us. There's no charge for the food banks or the end recipients of the meat. Uh, that's, that's kind of the work that we do and our volunteers do, is to raise the money in the community to be able to offset those processing bills. Uh, I know some of the programs that are out there outside of ours may operate on a little different model. They may do a a copay or something of that nature where they offset part of the cost and the hunter uh, pays a a portion of it. Um, So I can't speak for each one. That's something that people would have to investigate if it's a different program ahead of time to know what they might encounter. Uh, And we can certainly try to help point people in the right direction or get them the information that they would need. Uh, but if it's farmers and hunters feeding the hungry, you should be able to donate without needing to uh, pay anything.
1: Yeah, well, that's simple. So if you're a hunter out there, you heard it. Literally, you you shoot an animal, you find a participating processor, you drop it off. You might have to sign a logbook that you dropped it there, and uh, it doesn't cost you anything. Now, I would hope uh, that you maybe throw a few dollars towards the organization if you're going to do that. And I would think that, well, as a matter of fact, I know... Uh, one of the processors I used to use had a little collection spot right there to collect for your organization. So um, I think it, it helps to give something. I mean, every dollar helps. I, I know running a nonprofit organization myself, and, and Josh is trying to do there. Every every dollar helps for sure. And this is a just an outstanding service. So uh, uh, please give and support. And I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears a little bit here to a less um, a less fun discussion, but it's just, it's just the reality of where we live in, of the world we're living in right now in the deer world. And that is, um, have you had people call call you with concerns about chronic wasting disease and just uh, generally how have, how have you folks handled that there?
2: Yes, yeah, I, I do get some questions about that, uh, calls, emails. Um, at this point, uh, you know, obviously the, the disease has been around for a while. Uh, There are some things that are known about it and other things that are still question marks. Um, What I tend to tell people and the way we've been operating is that we pay close attention to whatever guidelines are coming out from the DNR or the wildlife department in a given state uh, about a particular area where the, uh, the disease has been detected and is being monitored, being addressed in some fashion. Uh, So we pay close attention to that information. We make sure that uh, if there is an area where we're functioning and the disease has emerged, uh, that the processors that we're working with are all approved by uh, that state agency, that DNR, to continue processing deer. I know in some cases they undergo some training and certification in how to handle uh, animals to minimize potential exposure when it comes to the meat. Uh, to the uh, disease vector. So um, we we watch that, we monitor that, we make sure the butchers that we're working with uh, are approved by the state to continue processing in that area Uh, as long as the DNR in that state or the the wildlife department, whatever it's called there, indicates and and is telling hunters that it's okay to continue hunting, to continue enjoying the meat that they're harvesting, Uh, then we will continue functioning in that area. Uh, If that would change, uh, when we learn of of a difference in in that, where perhaps they're cautioning hunters in a different way or recommending uh, hunters have meat tested before consuming it or anything like that, uh, then we we would pause and and perhaps make a different decision about functioning in that area. Uh, And then on the flip side of that, I know, uh, at least from what I'm aware to this point, most of the research... Uh, has not been able to draw any kind of a conclusive link uh, for for people contracting the human variation of of this type of disease uh, from eating uh, game animals. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll keep watching that, if that situation would change, if there would be new information from CDC or anywhere else indicating that that uh, current thinking is in question or in doubt uh, and that some link may have emerged. Uh, then certainly we would we would take that into account and uh, perhaps uh, change how we would approach things in an area where the disease has emerged.
1: Yeah, it, I hate to even have to talk about it, but it is a reality. And um, yeah, you're you're doing the right thing. I think you're just going to continue to monitor it and make your decisions based on the best guidance available, uh, which I'm I'm sure people appreciate. So, uh, so I want to ask you before we sign off here, uh, what Are the ways that people can help, uh, besides just donating a deer, and obviously financial contributions are great. Um, Mm -hmm. So what are other ways that people can help you
2: achieve your mission, and then give us your website again where people can find you? Sure. Well, I would say that those are the two big ones. Uh, Like with any organization, what we need are are deer and and elk donations, and then uh, the money to have them processed. And, of course, folks can find that information on our site, fhfh.org. The the processor lists, the link to donate financially, it's all right there. Uh, But getting beyond that, I would say there's always a need for people to volunteer. Uh, If it's a place where we have a chapter already, those volunteers would love to have additional people helping them to get the word out, uh, attending events that they might be invited to, setting up displays, Uh, raising financial support for that chapter to to pay those processing bills um, and that that kind of thing. If it's an area where there is no existing chapter or or no other program of of another kind, a different organization that a person could become part of, uh, there's information on our site about starting a chapter of our organization. And so we welcome uh, those kinds of conversations. Folks can email us, call in, and we can help them decide if that's the right fit for them or something that would be a benefit in their community, uh, what the likelihood is of it being successful. And we can kind of guide them in that decision making. Uh, And then beyond that, uh, I would say uh, whatever folks can do to help us get the word out, uh, to to get some more exposure for our organization and and the others like us, uh, and that could include uh, following us on, Facebook and other social media watching for posts that they can share and repost uh, to their circles. Um, When we, uh, we also have an email newsletter that goes out every month or so Uh, people can sign up for that on our website. When you get that, maybe forward it to other people that you think would be interested. Uh, And I think a big part of this too is uh, what our organization does, what the other programs do uh, shows people what hunters are capable of and gives people that maybe don't hunt or maybe even have had a a kind of a negative view of hunting and hunters uh, a different perspective on what can be accomplished and the good that's being done Uh, i know we've even had people who who say that they uh, have been opposed to hunting maybe even call themselves an anti-hunter that when they hear about this type of work, when they hear that meat can go from the field to the processor to uh, a soup kitchen to feed the hungry of their community, uh, they don't know what to say. And in some cases, they've turned around and even contributed financially to help the cause. Uh, I remember one note that came with a donation that said, I've always been opposed to hunting, uh, but if people are going to shoot animals, I would at least like to see them put to good use So here's a contribution to help with a processing bill. Uh, And that is kind of stunning, because I I think we're not used to that type of a response uh, from someone who uh, typically has said they've been opposed to to what hunters do. Uh, So all that to say that anything uh, people can do to help share the good work that hunters are doing uh, by circulating our our news items, uh, resharing things on social media, Uh, it helps people see that hunters are, by and large, big-hearted, generous people, men and women, and even young people now, that want to give something back to feed the needy of their communities, want to put their talents and their skills to use, not just putting meat on their own table and in their own freezer, but into the freezer for those uh, who need it the most.
1: Yeah, wonderfully said, and um, yeah, we've never done the best job in our world of promoting great things about hunting because we're always so focused on just getting out there and I think your program and others like it are just great great examples of that and Josh I can't thank you enough for being on the show today giving our our viewers and listeners a chance to hear more about your organization folks please get involved fhfh.org you'll find all the information you need there and I'm sure if you have any questions if you uh, send Josh an email he'll get right back to you so Josh thank you
2: and I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you, Nick.